0: Welcome, friends, to the We'll Preach for Food podcast. I'm Pastor Brenda Satram, standing in for Pastor Doug, which I guess is only fair because we do share the food in our household, being married and all. We're coming to you from Faith Lutheran Church in Shelton, Washington. And today we're going to talk about the 16th chapter of Luke and a little about family resemblance. So last week, Pastor Doug talked about the prodigal son the prodigal father and the prodigal elder brother if you want to hear more about that you should check out his podcast from last week it was really good this week jesus turns now to talk to his disciples and he says this there was a rich man who had a manager and charges were brought to him that this man was squandering his property so the rich man summoned the manager and said what is this i hear about you Give me an accounting of your management, because you cannot be my manager any longer. Then the manager said to himself, What will I do now that my master is taking the position away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. I've decided what to do, so that when I'm dismissed as manager, people may welcome me into their homes. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he asked the first, How much do you owe my master? And that person answered, A hundred jugs of olive oil. The manager said, Take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it fifty. Then he asked another, And how much do you owe? He replied, A hundred containers of wheat. The manager said, Take your bill and make it eighty. And his master commended the unrighteous manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the children of this age are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than are the children of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it is gone they may welcome you into the eternal homes. Whoever is faithful in a very little is faithful also in much, and whoever is unrighteous in a very little is unrighteous also in much. If then you have not been faithful with the dishonest wealth, unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you've not been faithful with what belongs to another, who will give you what is your own? No slave can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and wealth. The Gospel of the Lord. I read it a little differently because there are some words that stand out for me. We'll talk about them a little bit later more, but unrighteous, the dishonest manager, the word is really adikaios in Greek, and it's unrighteous, and it comes up a lot in this passage. And then the word shrewd, it's phronimos in Greek, and every other place it's used, it means wise or prudent, an action that comes from the truest core of who we are. So, back to family resemblance. I look most like my grandma Satram and my aunt Judy. And if you put me and my brother's kids together, you'll, all you'll see is eyebrows, really strong eyebrows. A gift from grandma and the Sorum family, I think. I sound just like my mom. You remember when we all shared home phones and you couldn't tell the kids from the parents? I walk like Grandpa Satrum did, because Dad walks like Grandpa, and I followed both of them around the farm when I was little, stretching my short legs long and leaning forward for momentum, because there was work to be done, you know. So my square jaw and my eyebrows are all about DNA, right? Maybe even some of the mannerisms. A friend of mine recently found his birth mom. And his wife says it's uncanny how their build and even their movements and responses are the same, even though they never met for over 50 years. It's the same in our spiritual family. Genesis 127 gloriously claims that humankind shares holy DNA. We're created in the spiritual image and likeness of God. Every single human being, always and forever, bears the image of God in a unique and precious way in our very core. And that's where I feel this truth, right in my gut, my God-given core. Our tradition is also honest. (laughs) Something's off around here. As individuals and species, we get off track, sideways, out of bounds in relation to God, our best nature, and our relationships with others in creation. We often behave in unloving, unholy, and unfaithful ways. So God in Christ comes among us, as the story goes, incarnating the truest heart of both God and humanity to draw us God's way, the Jesus way. Paul says it in our lesson from Ephesians. This is from Ephesians 1, Pastor Brenda's version. God chose us in Christ before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in God's sight. Even before time, God lovingly, delightedly purposed to adopt us back as full inheritors of every spiritual blessing and treasure through the work of Jesus. The message version of Ephesians 1.7 says this. God wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift-giving by the hand of his beloved son. So because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, we're a free people. I say, no matter what you've done or what's been done to you, you are a precious child of God, a PCOG, like Doug's got tattooed on his arm. You know that God loves you This much, and I opened my eyes wide like Jesus on the cross, because he came sharing wealth like the prodigal heir of a dad willing to let it go and spread it all around. And we know God loves debtors, because this week Jesus comes like a prodigal manager, for God's sake, who makes a phronomos, a diaphragm, a gut decision to cut our debts to show us the love right so when he comes knocking out of work hungry thirsty a stranger needing clothes sick or a criminal we will faithfully welcome him into our homes i see the picture of jesus knocking on the door right and i hear again forgive our sins as we forgive our debtors the longer i look at this story the more sense it makes jesus is the unrighteous out of bounds manager crossing all the righteous lines and getting, oh, so in trouble with the legal keepers and losing his life for love to draw us into a whole new way of righteousness. The message words Ephesians 1, 11, and 12 this way. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose, he is working out in everything and everyone. See, in Christ, God is giving us a new family resemblance. Like the tone and cadence of my speech and most certainly my walk, we become more like Jesus from hanging out with him and with his friends, even more than by direct effort. Jesus' first disciples followed him around. Yes, they actively did what he did and said what he said and tried to be like him, but even more, they caught what was going on in Jesus' heart. The love, the power, the spirit that animated him from his diaphragm, his us, his core. And their core became like his. I believe that we instinctively know that when we follow Jesus, it changes our whole life from the inside out. (laughs) To be honest, I resist it every step of the way. Living with Jesus' courage and power and love is hard and it's costly, and I fail a lot, even though it feels most right. Part of me doesn't want to get my hopes up about that Jesus kind of life. I don't want to go his way. And certainly in this world, a lot of Christians and a whole lot of churches maybe aren't. And they might share my feelings on that. We often don't look a whole lot like our brother Jesus. But I do still hope. And I follow. We follow. So Pastor Doug and I, along with our fellow Emotionally Healthy Discipleship pilot participants from last spring, are seeing a good way forward with Jesus in Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. Both of his courses, EH Relationships, which we're offering this fall, and EH Spirituality, are first of all about slowing down and just spending time with God, reconnecting with God at home and in the middle of the day, wherever we are. And at the end of the day, in growth groups, in worship, in our families, EHD pursues the Jesus truth in the way that Jesus did so that we can live the Jesus life. Now, I'm going to say a bit more about the EHR pilot in a bit. But I'm realizing I'm I'm losing. I don't have the last page, so I've got to go find it. Bye. So before I say more about our EHR pilot, I wonder if you'd try something with me. Ephesians 2, 6, and 7 is one of my favorite visions of our spiritual reality with Jesus. Paul writes, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with God in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the ages to come, God might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. It goes on to say that we are God's work of art, God's poema, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand for us to do. It's like sitting with God in Christ makes us into who we're meant to be. So I'd like to use our God-given imaginations to spend a moment with sitting with God in Jesus. Imagine a bench or a rock or a blanket or a couch in your favorite place ever. What's your favorite place ever? Sit yourself on your seat, in that place look around you see the colors smell the smells feel the breeze or the air touch your skin now imagine notice the presence of Jesus on your right you don't have to look at him just know he's there he's warm And his left hand is coming around your back or around your shoulders. And now on your left, feel the intense warmth of God's love. Right there, present beside you, both. Covering you, both. Warming everything around you in all directions. Just enjoy that. Take a few deep breaths in that place. Yes. Now, come back and open your eyes. That was one short, centering prayer. A small thing that we can do to connect with our spiritual reality when we need it, at any time and in any place. I am sure that Jesus did similar things, reconnecting with Abba before or after or in the middle of a long day of work, travel, teaching, or healing. And if it really didn't work for you, that's also okay. The spiritual reality doesn't change when we don't perceive it, like Rainier is still there on cloudy days, right? But this is a sample of what we'll see more of with emotionally healthy discipleship. Because Emotionally Healthy Discipleship is just taking small steps with Jesus, doing small things with Jesus, enjoying small moments with Jesus over and over, day after day, so that we grow more like Jesus over time, especially in the prodigal love and joy that so clearly marked his life. Now, to the details, the brass tacks. EHD offers two courses, Spirituality and Relationships. After working through the materials and praying and reflecting, we feel led to focus on healthy relationships this fall, getting to the practical how-tos of loving God and others well. I feel like the church very often has said, God loves you, love each other, good luck. (laughs) Now we're going to offer pilot classes that teach us how on Tuesday evenings with me and in person here with both Pastor Doug and I and others on Wednesdays during youth group time. We'll have time for adults. We're convinced that receiving and sharing the prodigal, out-of-bounds, lavish love of God in Christ is the best and most joyful thing we can do, so here we go. The pilot course, Small Groups, will learn, practice, and support each other. We have about 20 workbooks for those of you who want to give it a try. You can sign up in the lobby or email me. We have lots of day-by-day devotionals, the basic teaching and eight weeks, uh, 40 days, of really nourishing silence, readings, and questions to carry and consider. It's just a really good little book. And then here on Sundays, we'll, we'll always stay ankle deep, learning inspiration, um, prayer, and ideas will be shared here freely, that you can, we can carry each other, and live into Jesus' prodigal love. Okay, enough of the details. One more deep breath, recalling again your moment on that bench in Christ Jesus with Abba God. Mm. Feel Christ's arm around your shoulders, the warmth of God beside you. Yeah, that's real. And I hope you can carry and connect with that reality all week. Here are some other ideas for your journey. Memorize Ephesians, one, through through five, or two, four through 10, in your favorite version. Or if you want, there's all sorts of pick your passage. It's, it's awesome. Two, sit quietly with God for at least two minutes, twice a day. This is really hard. And being with God for even a couple minutes really helps me connect with God in every other minute. And three, when you look at another person, try this. Say quietly to yourself, precious child of God. Every time you look at another person, say, precious child of God, inside your mind. In the sanctuary, we'll practice tomorrow. If you've got anybody close to you, just look at them. Precious child of God. Four, decide how you'll participate in emotionally healthy relationships here at Faith. We hope you'll at least plan to listen to the messages and take one simple step with Jesus every week. And we are excited to walk with some of you in the pilot courses. Friends, may you work and play and rest with joy in the lavish love of God, freedom in Christ's prodigal forgiveness and power in the spirit's fire. Amen.